This is an ABC podcast. So what was your Wordle score yesterday? I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't even get it in six. I got just in on six. So I feel, am I smarter than a doctor? I think I am. I thought you got in on three yesterday. <laughs> I love your high, um, high opinion of me. Well, we actually have had a question, Norman, from someone asking if there's any studies into the impact of COVID-19 on Wordle performance before this person caught Omicron. They were averaging under four, but now, even though they were largely asymptomatic, they're averaging well over four with some fives and sixes. Well, I wouldn't call that asymptomatic. No, I'd be panicking if I were you, the Wordle score going up. Look, I get nauseous with crosswords. I get nauseous with Wordle. So by the time I get to five or six on the rows, I'm almost giving up and I haven't had COVID. So I wouldn't worry too much. This is Coronacast and it's the 2nd of February, 2022. I'm physician and journalist, Dr. Norman Swan. And I'm Tegan Taylor. So Norman, let's talk about subvariants because this is something that I've seen a lot of people asking questions about. We were talking about how new variants were going to emerge and then last week we said, oh, you know what, maybe the pandemic's going to be over. And then since then, of course, this idea of subvariants of Omicron has been circulating. So can you just break down what these subvariants are and the usual question, how worried should we be? Let's start at the beginning because the tabloid press have been calling this son of Omicron. Well, it's not son or daughter of Omicron. It's more like sister or brother of Omicron. And uh, there was an excellent paper on this in Nature from the South African, huge South African group who've done some great research in this. What happened here was there was a virus that was, if you like, the mother virus, which wasn't really Omicron. It was called BA1.1. Nobody knows really where that came from. It appeared and it gave birth to three variants, if you like, or sub-variants. It sounds like a parable. Yeah, keep going. It is a kind of parable. And these uh, sub-variants of this mother virus was where BA1, BA2, BA3, there may be more by, you know, coming up as well. BA1 is the one that we know as Omicron. It's the one that took over and spread through South Africa, spread to Australia, spread around the world, highly infectious and so on. And then the South Africans noticed that there were two other variants which appeared in November, but mid-November, may have emerged after BA1, but really came from the mother virus. So it's a sister. And if you like, BA2 is the middle child of these three. (laughs) And a bit like any middle child, they're trying to find their place in the world. And the Danes have published quite a good paper on this looking at its spread. So this study in Denmark looked at over 8,000 household cases and about a quarter of them were BA2. And they looked at the spread within the household and they compared it whether you were unvaccinated or vaccinated within the household, all those sorts of permutations. And essentially what they found was that BA2 is more contagious by a significant factor, two to three times more contagious in both unvaccinated and vaccinated individuals and also booster vaccinated individuals. So what they concluded from it was that not only is there increased transmissibility of BA2, there's increased immune evasion of BA2. Now, the British have come out since then and said they don't think there is immune evasion. And this is what you get, coronacast know this well now in the early days of variants just don't know what's going on this is not a new variant what's happened here is that the chassis is basically the same if you change metaphor now to a car and you're buying a brand of car the the chassis is roughly the same but your components might be a little bit different and BA2 has got some significantly different mutations in it but is still the basic chassis that we know of as Omicron 
but it doesn't seem to be virulent. And the British are saying they don't think it's more immune evasive, which contradicts the increased contagiousness because, again, as coronacasters will know, contagiousness at this stage in the pandemic really does mean you're evading immunity so that you're able to infect more people because there have been so many people around who either been vaccinated or been infected. So do you still have protection to an extent from vaccination and boosters? Yes, you do. And the uh, other concern would be, and this comes back to uh, other research, which I think we've spoken about um, in the last couple of weeks, which is that if you've had an Omicron infection, you're pretty well protected against another Omicron infection. And the thinking is at this stage, but it's early, is that if you've had BA1, which is the original son of Omicron, if you like, if you had BA1, you are more likely to be resistant to BA2. So we haven't got any data on breakthrough from BA1 to BA2, but it's likely that you're pretty well covered. Right. So there's a huge swathe of the population that's been infected with any kind of coronavirus now. A lot of them have been infected with Omicron. If those people encounter BA2, Omicron Mark 1, BA1, but if they um, run into BA2, they're probably protected. So is it a worry? It's only a worry if it if it's more virulent and the Danes and the British are both saying that it's not. Who gets to decide whether something's a variant, a new variant, or if it's just a subvariant? Because you were saying the other day that the new variants will only won't necessarily evolve from the existing circulating variants. But if you're just calling something a subvariant, then that feels like a technicality. Well, I think it's looking it's looking like a bit of a technicality here if it's not having more of an impact and it's not sufficiently different. It's really a difficult call. If BA2 really took over and was much nastier and had to be dealt with by itself and did and there was no cross immunity with Omicron, then they might start saying, well, this is a subvariant of concern. Um, they all get together on this, the the virologists, the WHO and others, to decide whether something is actually a variant of concern. And I don't think we've had a sub-variant, to be contradicted, but I don't think we've had a sub-variant of concern in this pandemic. It was the Delta. It was the second Delta. Now I can't remember. We the, All those numbers used to roll off my tongue and I can't remember them now. Delta had sub-variants, that's right. Yeah. But it was the second one that was the one that ended up edging out the others. Your memory is better than mine, Tegan. <laughs> well, let's talk about what we do when we catch uh, or if we think we've caught a variant of coronavirus, and that is do a test. We've been talking a lot about the, the different rapid antigen tests that are available in Australia and how you can compare between them. And the Therapeutic Goods Administration has released a new review of rapid antigen tests. They're calling it a post-market rapid review, but it's not an independent review, is it? It's more data from the manufacturers themselves. Yeah, they've asked the, they've asked the manufacturers. So it's, a, it's pretty good. If you wanted to have a look, you should look at this TGA website because what they've done is they've asked the manufacturers to come back and talk about what specific testing they've done to variants and the performance against the variants and whether they've tested against Omicron. And you can look down this list and see whether or not they have tested whether or not their rapid test works for Omicron or not. Now, these are the manufacturer's data. So they've not been independently verified. So they've trusted the manufacturer in this to publish this so far, but there's only so far that you can trust manufacturer's data. You've also got to be careful. Some of them are point-of-care tests, which really means they're supposed to be done by doctors or nurses in the clinical situation, and some of them are self-tests, which are the ones that you buy over the counter. And some of them have not do not seem to have tested against Omicron. I'm not sure whether that means it doesn't they don't work or they haven't been tested. 
but you can see the list there if you're thinking of buying a rapid antigen test. What the TGA has done is commission, we've said this before on CoronaCast, they've commissioned the Doherty Institute to do independent testing of these under fairly strict protocols. And they started that testing on the 15th of January, and hopefully those results will start to come through. Now, I'm not sure whether or not they're going to save up all the tests for one hit so that you can do a comparison rather than trickling it out. So we're not quite sure how that information is going to be released. But it's good that it is being independently tested. That's what's needed for uh, the community. So if we're taking this information as it stands on the TJ website now with a grain of salt, like how much can we trust them? There's, is there still a point in doing a rapid antigen test? Let's say to start with, if you're going down this, you want to buy a test that at least the manufacturer said works for Omicron. And you're able to see this from the list of uh, testing kits that the TGA has published in terms of the manufacturer's data. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, yeah, it's still worth doing. But remember, one rapid engine test doesn't tell you as much as you need to know. You've really got to repeat them every couple of days to start getting an accurate idea of what your true infectious status is. And the PCR is still the golden, the the, the, you know, the gold standard test. Now, there is a bit of controversy around salivary tests. Some people are suggesting that salivary tests aren't as accurate as nose or throat swabs. And some people are saying that throat swabs are better than nasal swabs. But throat swabs are quite difficult to administer yourself. So it is possible there's more virus in the throat, but it's quite difficult to actually do that for yourself. You could get somebody to do it for you. But so there is there is wiggle room around these rapid engine tests. Right. So they're good, but they're not perfect. And if you're not sure, do another one a couple of days later. And if you're really not sure, go get a PCR test. And, on, and only buy a test where at least they've said that they've got a data on Omicron. And yeah, full disclaimer, of course, is that is if you can get them. I, I think the availability is getting a bit better than it was a few weeks ago, but they're still pretty hard to come by. Yeah. So we'll have the link to that TGA website and congratulations to TGA for putting that together. And congratulations for getting independent testing done. It's really what was needed. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's CoronaCast. Yes, we're back to a shorter length of time, but we are now going to be thrice a week. We'll be back in your feed on Friday and again, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from next week. And we'll see you Friday. See you then. <laughs>